The Pelicans win three in a row, so you're saying there's a chance. Of course there's a chance. I mean, we always have a chance, so they tell us we don't. The LSU women are, speaking of chances, they're now the favorites to go to the Final Four from their bracket. How's your bracket doing? All these things we're going to talk about with Gus Cattengill coming up next. I'm going to sprinkle Saints in my monologue, and I've had a bitch session two weeks in a row now. Are we going to make it three? Well, you'll have to wait to the other side of Philly and Selma to find out. It's coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to my friends elsewhere who are in sports sensory overload at the moment. I mean, what isn't going on right now except for the NFL playing football? I mean, pretty much everything's going on. If you're paying attention, I am Jim Derry, if you didn't know that already. And if you didn't know that and you just clicked some random podcast button, well, good for you. You're in luck. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, The Times, Picune, and bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 142 for a Friday, March the 24th, I think. Isn't it the 24th? Yeah, March 24th. And it's 2023, in case you didn't know that. I mean, some of you don't know the year. I accidentally, I was doing graphics for the show uh, last night, or the live show, and I was putting 2024. I mean, has 2023 been that bad already that I want to just get out of it and jump right into 2024? I mean, it hasn't been that bad. At least not for me. So, I don't know. You know, I, I ask in the open. We've had two straight weeks of bitch sessions Uh, in the monologue, you know what? I don't have time for that today. I really don't. I mean, we we have, and and in the grand scheme of things, what do we actually have to be all that upset about? I mean, is it, you know, the sound that your bracket makes when the damn Tennessee volunteers do whatever they do, or did you have UCLA last night? I mean... There are certain, if you had Tennessee or UCLA in your final four, first off, you had Tennessee. I mean, you really had foresight. Looked like you were going to be the smartest dude or dudette in, in the whole bracket. You know, I mean, nobody had that. And you had a great chance to get that through. And then, you know, Zach Ewing's been warning me about Rick Barnes for a couple of weeks. And, you know, my buddies at work been making fun of me because Tennessee doesn't do that. Look. I've made money off of Tennessee this this past couple weeks. But not last night. They screwed my 14 parlay. Had another parlay with them. I thought it was golden. I had the UConn-Tennessee money lines. Golden. I'm golden. This thing's over. And. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. That's the sound it makes. Although my bracket is in pretty good spot. But nobody wants to hear about my damn bracket. I mean, you could, I tell you what, you go ahead and talk about your bracket. I'm going to listen. Oh, okay. That's all we needed to say? All right, good. I mean, look, all that really matters, if you have six of the final eight or probably even five of the final eight, and you have three of the final four and both your national champions are alive right now, if you can say those things are true right now, you're in excellent. I mean, you're not even in good shape. You're in excellent shape. If you can say you have two of the final four and they're both in the national championship game, which means you have your national championship a lot, you're, you're probably still alive in your bracket too unless there's like, I don't know, 800 people in there or something. Anyway. Do we, I mean, how much do we put into that? How, how much do you get upset when your brackets, when you like come to the realization, you know, I don't have a chance to win? Do you get upset about it? I kind of do, to be honest. And even in years where I don't watch, like last year, I watched a lot of college basketball. I don't know why, but I did. I watched a lot of college basketball. This year, I don't know if it was because we spent so much time talking about the Saints, even into the, the after season. LSU stunk. I didn't get into LSU. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I didn't watch nearly as much college basketball this year. So even that, though, these I've watched this tournament from start to now, and I'm sure I'll watch it to finish. It's just something about this thing, man. I, this, this tournament is there's nothing like it. There really isn't. I mean, and there's no. That's why football misses the boat. And I know they're expanding to 12 teams. And some people say, "Wow, that's only." And I and I've even said it. I mean, realistically, I mean, the difference between football and basketball is this. And basketball, and baseball are similar. So the difference between football and basketball slash baseball are this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Football, there are legitimately, on any given year, three teams that can win the national championship. Four tops. Not the four tops. They can't win the national championship. Besides the fact that they're old, I don't even know if they're playing anymore. But there are, I mean, realistically, I mean, last year even, there might have been one team. The only team that the team that won might have been the only team. If you play that thing ten times, Georgia's going to beat TCU ten times. Now, had they had it been a different situation, and you know some different teams made the Final Four and a couple of things here, and and you know LSU doesn't make that catch, uh, and Alabama wins that game, and Alabama goes to the national championship, or Whatever, maybe Alabama can beat Georgia. I mean, in my opinion, Alabama was the only thing that could beat Georgia last year. So there was only two. But that being said, wouldn't it be fun as hell to watch a football tournament like this? I don't care that there's only one or two or three or four teams that can make that can win the championship. Getting there, the first few rounds, oh, you can't do it. It would take too long. The hell it would take too long. You cut one or two games off the regular season, and you start this thing at Thanksgiving, and it's over at the same time. There's no, uh, it screws the ball games. No, it doesn't. It doesn't screw the ball games. You incorporate the ball games like you've incorporated them now, and you make way more money. I don't want to hear about money. It doesn't make any sense. 
So I didn't even know I was going to go off on this tangent this morning. But if you did something like this in football, again, the difference is in basketball and baseball, you really do have probably eight, maybe even ten teams that if they get on a roll and do the right things and, and are playing great, can win a national championship. Like right now, how many teams do we think that are still alive in the basketball tournament? The 12 teams still alive. How many of them can realistically win a national championship? Seven? I think there's seven. I, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't go put money on seven teams. But I think there's realistically seven teams that could win a national championship. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be floored. You wouldn't be floored if UConn won the national championship. You wouldn't be floored if Gonzaga won the national championship. Texas plays tonight, you wouldn't be floored. Houston and Alabama are favored. So right there, there's five. I mean, you might be shocked if Xavier won a national championship, but I I don't think I would, the way they're playing. Creighton, certainly not. So there's your seven teams. I mean, Kansas State, who knows? I don't, I mean, I'd be kind of surprised if they won. But who knows? So, I mean, that's the difference. And in baseball, you know, people people were asking me, I I had three people ask me in the last week, what do I think the odds are of LSU winning the national championship in baseball? It's way too early to talk about that. I don't know. Five to one, seven to one, somewhere in that range. I mean, it's way too early to even think about that. But, I mean, are you going to go bet it? I'm, I'm not going to bet that right now. I don't even know what the odds are if they even have that up. But you know as well as I do that when it gets to the College World Series, what you have to go through in baseball I mean, baseball is so much different because what you have to go through in baseball, I'd say that of the eight teams that make the College World Series, usually six of them can win the national championship. It's probably going to be that way this year, no matter who the favorite is, because the favorite doesn't win as much as the favorite wins in football. And certainly in basketball, the favorites probably, I don't want to say rarely win, but don't win as much as they do win. I mean, basketball, that's why basketball is the best. Because some team, like, even though Florida Atlantic kind of hosed me last night, I mean, in a way you feel good. I don't know this coach from Adam. They're in Conference USA, for God's sake. They're getting ready to go in the AAC. Congratulations, Tulane. You get to play FAU now. And, I, I again, I don't know this coach from Adam. I know they got some... Some young players, so they're probably going to be good again next year. But they're in the Elite Eight. Who would have thought this team was going to be in the Elite Eight? Now, granted, they probably got helped by Purdue getting upset. But who cares? It's either Florida Atlantic or Kansas State is going to the Final Four. I think that's a great thing. It's a really good thing if you have Alabama win a national championship, by the way. But that's what makes this tournament fun. So... That's my uh, little spiel on on March Madness. You know, we got a lot. To, like I said, we have a lot to talk about today. I'm gonna be all over the place. My ADHD is really gonna be kicking in. Um, we have Gus Cattengill coming on in a little bit. He is, uh, you know, Gus. I mean, if you don't know Gus, you don't listen to sports radio around New Orleans ever. I mean, and you probably haven't. So if you've listened to sports radio in New Orleans and you don't know, oh, yeah, I think I know who that is. I mean, you know who Gus Cottengill is. He has been on the air for probably 20 years around the city uh, doing different things. Right now he is the host of 
the sports hangover on ESPN Radio, and he is also the Pelicans pregame and halftime uh, radio host and also does a Pelicans podcast. So um, all things Pelicans. That's what Gus is at the moment. And uh, we're going to talk. You know, I meant to get into some other things. I thought he and I were going to talk about the Saints a little bit. We do talk LSU women a little bit. We do talk March Madness a little bit. But um, I think we were on for about 30 minutes, 32 minutes, somewhere around there. And um, I'd say 26 of it was about the Pelicans. And I haven't done enough on this show about the Pels. Um, and look, I said a week ago or so they needed to win three of their next four to even have a chance going forward. They lost that first one. I'm like, well, this is over. They're not going to win the next three because they hadn't won back-to-back games in like two months. Well, they did. They went and won three games in a row, and good for them. Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a snarky way at all. Um, I, I think that they – I realistically think that they have a chance to – not a chance. I realistically think they have a good chance to make the playing game. We talked about on Bayou Bets yesterday that they were 1.7 to 1, plus 170 in the uh, gambling world talk to make the play-in, which means that there was a almost a 2 to 1 chance that they wouldn't make the playoff, uh, the play-in game. I, I, I don't understand those odds. I actually think it's value. I don't know what it is this morning after they won last night. But um, I think they, look, they have a tough stretch coming up. A road stretch that includes Golden State and includes um, Denver. So those are going to be tough to win, but they also it also includes Portland. Then they get to come home and play a four-game homestand. So they have nine games left. You figure they got to go at the minimum five and four to get in the play and maybe six and three. Can they do it? I think they can. Um, and will Zion come back? Who knows? I mean, at this point, you treat it like you treated it last year. You treat it like he's not coming back. If he comes back, great. I personally think that if they do make the play-in game or if they have to win, you know, if they get in a position where they got two or three games left when he when he's going to be reevaluated and he has a chance, I mean, they have a chance if they win their last three games, I think he might come back. Um, we'll see. You know, I had some friends calling him a bust. Don't call a, 20, 20, a 22-year-old player a bust. If you're calling a 22-year-old player a bust, you're a miserable human being. I'm sorry. If you're call, if you're sitting there calling, well, he's he's been hurt. He's only played. I don't care how many games he's played. Is it going to get better? Who knows? Maybe it will get better. Maybe it won't. I don't know. You don't know either. The point is, if you're if you're like bitching about a 22-year-old player who hasn't filled his potential yet. You're a miserable human being. I mean, is that all you... I can understand, you know, I rail on Michael Thomas, too. That's a whole different story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, you can rail on Michael Thomas. He's like 30. And he's, you know, he only wants to play with the this quarterback or that quarterback. And he's not going to come back until whatever, blah, blah, blah. I've railed on Michael Thomas. Go ahead and say whatever you want about him. But Zion is there every game. Boston is keister to get back, whether you believe it or not. He, I'm sure that he is. And he cares. So, I mean, to call a 22-year-old a bust is ridiculous. He was the first pick of the, of the draft. 
Four years in now. Oh, shut up. Get out of here. I mean, if he plays 60 games next year and they're the two seed and they go to the playoffs and they make it to the conference finals, you'll find something else to bitch. You'll find somebody else to bitch about. Because that's that's the nature of it. New Orleanians are so, I mean, I'm not joking. I've lived here in my whole life. The, the people in this city have probably more fun than anyone else in the country, <clears throat> but they're as negative a lot as you're going to find anywhere. Now, I mean, you go to, like, New York and Boston or whatever, people are just miserable, and they're just miserable human beings. But you couldn't go out and, like, get drunk with somebody and hang out and have a great time, and then you look at their Facebook post and they're, like, bitching about something oh it's too hot or this guy uh i got into a road rage with this guy or the city of new orleans sucks because so and you're like i never saw that person where was that person when i was having beers with them the other day i don't know i love this city but man they got some they got some cats in this this town that are just that make my head spin sometimes and you don't see it coming. You should, but you don't always see it coming. All right, we're, uh, one thing Gus and I did not talk a whole lot about was the New Orleans Saints. And um, look, it's that time of year where it's, it's, it's a rare kind of dead time, right? We're a week or two away from getting really super excited about the draft. And we've just come off the free agency high. So, and March Madness is settling in. If, if you like basketball, the Final Four is next week. Uh, your NBA team's fighting for the playoffs. Um, if you like golf, the Masters is coming up. The match play thing is great right now. If you like women's basketball, obviously, what's going on with LSU. If you like baseball, you're probably getting ready for your fantasy drafts. Um, so it's just that time when it's a rare, I'd say there's probably f- maybe four weeks during the season you can, for the year, four weeks during the year you can pick out where, Eh, I don't care what the Saints do this week. And this is kind of one of them. So hence why the podcast is taking on a non-football mode, which is, again, rare for us. But you know, there was a little news this week. The Saints signed um, safety Jonathan Abram. My son's all gung-ho about Jonathan Abram. Um, okay, great. They signed Jonathan Abram. Um, they needed another safety. He's, you know, I looked at his stats. They weren't anything special. Uh, I had to, I'm like, oh yeah, he played for the Raiders. And then I had to go look and I'm like, oh wait, he didn't play with, he played for the Raiders, but he was last with Seattle. I didn't even know that. So it shows how much of an impact he's made on me. Um, I hope he comes here and does well. The Saints do need more help in the defensive backfield, but you know, something we will talk about as we go along here, um, as we get closer to the draft, I think the Saints basically need Nothing but offense and maybe another defensive lineman. And if you want to get creative later and draft some project at linebacker, fine. But, I mean, to me, all this tells me now with all these signings and where this this team is right now, I think that they are on the road to needing to just draft 80% offense. That's my opinion. But the Saints always draft the best player available. Okay, Jeff Duncan. That was really 
you know, you, you heard my leprechaun last week. That was that was the worst Jeff Dunkman that anyone's ever done. Not that a lot of people are walking around trying to talk like Jeff Dunkman. But I know they say that they draft the best player available, horse hockey. They, they're going to draft for need. This team needs to draft for need. They're showing they're signing all these players for need. They're going to draft for need as well. And, uh, again, we'll talk about the Saints in the draft coming up in the next few weeks. Probably not next week. Uh, probably next week we'll be talking about the, the Pelicans in March Madness again. It'll be going into the Final Four. Um, maybe LSU women will be in the Final Four. The Major League Baseball season starts this week. We'll be talking about that. The Masters is the week after, so we'll be – We'll probably have a special show about the Masters. So anyway, this weird period of time as I go all over the place before I get to Gus. Um, yeah, it's not my best show today. What would you give it so far? Like a, a C minus? I don't know. Um, I don't think I... I didn't eat breakfast. And Gus uh, had some things to do this morning. So we usually our live show is at 9.15... And so we had to push the live show back to 10. I'm all screwed up. So I think that has affected me all over the place. I mean, my Friday routine, I'm not blaming Gus. I mean, he was gracious enough to come on. You get your guests when you can get your guest. But I think I'm all screwed up. No, I don't mean in general. I mean, all screwed up today. So that's where it is. All right. Um, lastly, before we go into Gus and the Saints, signing Resigning defensive tackle Malcolm Roach. I know it's only a one-year deal, but uh, I think that could play a big role. The interior of the Saints line, which was completely barren about a week and a half ago, looking pretty good right now. So these are all things that we're going to talk about going forward. I think, you know, one of the shows that we're going to have probably in maybe three, four weeks, probably have a position-by-position breakdown. That is uh, worthy of a show, I think. Um and maybe we'll get a better feel for where the Saints are going to draft. Um, I definitely want to do that. So, And then I know that Duncan's going to come on at least once before the draft, maybe the weekend before, uh, the Friday before the draft starts. Um, and so we'll have other – we've got some other good guests coming up. Uh, I'm lining them up. I don't know what weeks or what, so I'm not ready to announce them yet, but we're going to have some good guests going forward. And then after the draft's over and we get into the doldrums of summer – um, that's when I'm going to reach out to, you know, maybe former Saints. We had Jim Moore on last year. We had Ricky Jackson on last year. Um, so that's when I'm going to reach out and try to find uh, different guests that were actually just going to chat. Uh, maybe not necessarily about, you know, what's going on and before we get into our NFL previews in July. So that's what is on the, the docket here. Again, I told you my ADHD is kicking in. I hope you haven't, like, scrubbed forward with, with, with your finger, like, what's coming next. All right, I'm going to get to Gus. Here we go. We, again, uh, about a 32-minute conversation, the first 25 or 26 of them, about the Pelicans. Um, and then I'll wrap it up with my uh, final thoughts. We are with my man, Gus Cottengill. He works for ESPN Radio, works for the New Orleans Pelicans. He does it all. I haven't talked to you in a while, my friend. And you're a Cubs fan. Yeah, it's been a bit. I know this is the time of year where, you know, we're still in the race, you know, I mean, we're still alive right now. So that's a good did, thing. That's a good thing. Did you think you would be saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe three, four weeks ago? It wasn't looking very good. 
with the Cubs or the Pelicans. Yeah. No, um, both. Either you can you yeah, can pick either. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> the fact we had the, the fact that the games haven't started means the Pels are still, the Cubs are still in it. Uh, no, look, I, quite honestly, man, you know it, it's so interesting because we've been talking a lot about it on our show, and obviously, um, when we do pregame, halftime, and post, and Jim Eichenhofer comes in, and I do it with Joe Cardosi, and. Um, Everyone wants to know why this team has trouble winning games or doesn't win games or goes on losing streaks and all that. And Jim, it literally is as simple as just you got to have your players. You know, I mean, coaches right. will tell you um, it's, you know, it's the Jimmys and Joes, you know, that from calling games and covering sports. When you have good players and good athletes, you're good. When you don't have a quarterback and you don't have good receivers, even Sean Payton can't get the Saints into the playoffs, right? So, when you have good players, you tend to win games. And um, this past Tuesday, going into the week, we were looking at just this topic in itself, too, and, and how, you know, it's a, it's a game and a half now, as of today on Friday, that the Pelicans are out of the play-in in six or out of the playoffs, which is unbelievable, the difference right. between six and 12 right now. But it's games played, man. Um, I had somebody call the show and say, well, you know, it's coaching and this and that. And I mean, look at Milwaukee. I'm like, let's look at Milwaukee. And, you know, I had the, the games played by some of these guys and, you know, it's incredible. I look at it. Okay. Giannis has played 56. This is before Tuesday, right? So right. they played 71 games. He's played 56 games. Drew holiday, 59, Brooke Lopez, 69. Somebody else said, well, look at Boston. They have good coaching. A, they switched head coaches in the off season because of, you know, the stuff that happened off the, off the court. But Jason Tatum had played 67 of 71 games. 67, Jalen Brown, 60. You know, uh, Sacramento, Mike Brown's doing a great job. I'm like, yeah. Also, De'Aaron Fox has played 64 of the 70 games they played at that point. Sabonis, 69. I mean, I can go on and on. And when you look at the Pels, Zion, 29. Right? I mean, Absolutely. Brandon Ingram, 34. And I'm like, if they would have just played 20 more games this season together each, and they win half of those, I think you'd agree with me, Jim. Out of 20 games, if they played, there's a good chance they won half. 10 Easily. more wins to the Pels, 35, puts them at 45 wins. That would be second place in the Western Conference. And in and, and the neighborhood of Sacramento, which is which – is, you know, very even teams. Pels yeah. beat them when they were semi-healthy earlier in the season. Couldn't beat them before. I mean, you know, you could look at the defending champs. I mean, look at the Warriors now playing much better because Steph Curry has been playing more consistently. Now he's still missed time. And, mm -hmm. and Clay has missed, missed time here and there as well. But, you know, they had games where they just sat their stars because they're like, you know, we're going to take these games off had they not done that they could be up there with denver and, and at the top of the of the west 100 percent, and you know and that's the thing i mean look, look at last night uh you know brandon Ingram gets his first triple double and in his first triple double you see the assist the rebounding the amount of scoring you didn't have him for two months this season right i mean he, he got hurt on black friday and came back january 25th 28th whatever that was but he was literally out two months out of that year not two games not two weeks it's a difference you know and um so yeah i just i just think especially it, in a sport where you only have five players at a time playing if two of them happen to be guys that can drop 30 on any given night, that's a massive difference. I mean, that's, that, it's, 
you know, the to equate it, it, it's literally playing without your starting quarterback, without Camara, without Michael Thomas, without, you know, your leading pass rusher, without uh, Demario Davis, without Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, look at how that Saints defense was different without Lattimore, right? And he comes back, he gets a pick six at Philly, and they win the game. I mean, it's you got there's a reason those guys are guys, you know, big time players. So, but look, Willie Green said it Wednesday after practice too. This the NBA got it right. The play and stuff. Right. It makes the last two three weeks every game you have to watch. We're watching standings. You're watching scores. I go home. I'm looking at the late games. Every game matter. I don't even know half the players and referees. I'm screaming. The Lakers have 46 free throws in a game we want them to lose. I mean, you know, it's, you know, by the way, on that note, the graph sent me a text this morning. Joe, you're going to love this. We'll talk about this later in the podcast. Um, the Lakers in the last three games or something, I think it's three games, have had 100 more free throws than their opponents. Wow. Are you, are you yeah. trying to say that the – Officials are trying to help the Lakers get in the playoffs. Is that what you're trying to say, Gus? The last five games, they've had a hundred <laughs> more free throw attempts than their opponents. So Gus can nothing, nothing but the facts. good. Well, hey, yeah, maybe they're just really good at defense, and you know, there's no fouls on them. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible. But look, I. There's that whole scenario, too, that I just want to see how much Pepto-Bismol Todd could chug during a game. Could you imagine a play-in, 9-10, not 7-8 where the loser continues and gets another shot, gets a mulligan. 9-10, yeah. yeah. you win or go home at L.A., Lakers, Pels. I don't know if I can I, handle I mean, it's, I got, it's like Saints-Falcons right in the wild card. I got to say there are, and I'm not kidding, there are times when a Pels game comes on and I tell the wife, Honey, I'm going to be back in a few minutes. I got to go, I don't know, I got to run to the store to get seasoning so I can have a reason to sit in the car and listen to Todd yeah. Graffinini go off. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. It's, and he, I've, I've talked to him. He's going to come on the show after the season's over. Yeah. He's got a lot going on right yeah, now. You, you enjoy it. A ask him, do me a favor, because Joe and I talk about this all the time. And I'm in Joe's office, by the way, when you see me uh, over here. But it, what's incredible is, um, what was it, Tuesday, right? Right. Todd can make a 39-point lead seem like at any minute the Pelicans <laughs> It's absolutely it. true. I mean, I, it, it got down to 24 with a minute something left, and he was concerned. And I, like, I don't know. Looked, yeah, I, exactly. I don't know. Uh, last night, it was a little, you know, that, that Hells were leading, mind you, but it was yeah. a little, it was under 20. In the first quarter, <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I'm not getting a good feeling. The Pels wind up destroying the Hornets because they only had seven players. Like, so give it time to <laughs> right. get there. But he does. He look. I mean, you know, you know that from this two lane days. Um, it's no different now with this, and it just it adds to my anxiety, you know, being in the studio. But it just adds well, to it. But that's the point. Every possession matters. Every game matters. Right now. There was a game last month, or maybe it was a little more than that. It was right around Mardi Gras. It might have been right before Mardi Gras. I was coming home from, from an assignment. I had a, I don't know, I was doing play-by-play -play for St. Paul's or something. And I was coming home, and I, and I turned Graf on. And they, they were down by about six toward the end of the third quarter. And he basically said, that could, and I'm not kidding. He said, that could be the dagger. 
They hit a yeah. three oh, to go yes, up nine, and he said that there could is. be the dagger. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, Joe okay. and I have heard that a lot. Jim just said six minutes to play in the third quarter, that could be the dagger. We've definitely heard that said <laughs> several times. We actually I have a it. file folder we're going to give him one day for a birthday present called Dagger. And all the different times we have the dagger in there. I mean, I, I feel bad. It's almost like if it would be Caesar, he'd be just you know, chop suey. I mean, he'd be just stabbed left and right with the daggers. But well, uh, it, again, at least with Graf, you know, he lives and dies with this basketball team. And that, yeah, that is, yeah. and you know, a lot of, a lot of ways, you know, I mimic myself on the way that Todd Graf and he calls the games because he makes things exciting. So, yeah. but, and Jim Derry here with Gus Cattengill on this Friday morning. We only have about 10 minutes left because Gus has got to run this morning. So it's going to be a short show. If you want to get in a comment or a question, you need to do it pretty quickly. Um, you know, I really, I felt great for Brandon Ingram last night. I mean, to get that right. triple-double, first triple-double of his career. I mean, he was on a roll in the first quarter. I think he, he was halfway there in the first quarter. But uh, to see him, it took him a little while to come back from his injury. And the way he's playing right now is encouraging. And I, I don't understand why. I know this team has a tough schedule last nine games, and we're going to put the schedule up on, on the screen in just a minute. But – I, I don't understand why people seem to be just giving up on him because I think they have a, an excellent chance to get one of those seven, eight, nine, ten spots and get in the play-in. Yeah. Um, I think what's what's been interesting, too, and you can look at that schedule there and you can see how um, the final nine games shape up. It, right. it, you can control your own destiny. And, and it's something that you and I have always talked about covering sports for 20 plus years, man. It's you always at least want to be able to control your destiny. So it's interesting. You say that. Why can fans not feel confident on that? Well, you got to give them confidence and the confidence come through consistency and the consistent, the inconsistent part about this team since Zion's left, especially has been on the offensive end. And Willie green touched about that uh, on Wednesday specifically. Yeah. I mean, the dog, right? It's difficult. It's a work in progress. You got to figure it out. Because this roster is constructed to play around not only Zion, but Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum, right? Those are going to be your primary three scorers, ball handlers, playmakers, play off of them. So the majority of the other rosters, defensive-minded, hey, it's nice as Najee has 12 this night, Trey hit three threes, Jose hit a couple, Larry Nance got your 12. When you need those guys, though, to do it every single night because they're starting, right? That's a, they're just not built for that. So you've seen a lot of struggle there. And I think to Willie's credit, and, and probably a little later than a lot of Pels fans and talk show hosts uh, would have liked, they, they realized, yes, you want to stay with what's got you there and your approach. But at the same time, you look at the standings, you look at the time, it's, um, you have to change some things. So what we've seen clearly, right, and you can really look at it before Houston, but really in that Houston game, there is no coincidence Jonas Valanciunas has had a double-double five in the last six games, which is an interesting thing because Joe and I will talk through about many of the games. It's weird. Like two-thirds of the season, fans want to trade him. He doesn't fit here. He doesn't, you know, he's not good. He's, he doesn't work. I'm like, they're not using him the right way, right? Um, bless Jonas's heart. And I understand the NBA is a three-point shooting league. I don't mind Jonas taking two to five threes a game if it's in the, you know, flow of the game. But what have you seen the last week, in the last five, six games? 
you've seen a concerted effort of going into the paint, throw it in a block, he kicks it out when they double team him. If there's teams that can't match him, use it. And he has. I, I can look at my highlights folder, and I want to say the last three or four games, the very first two to three buckets, and including the first three-point of the game, is Jonas Valanciunas. So you, you do that, and then it helps space the floor. The other thing that they've made an adjustment to, when Willie Green touched on it yesterday, and Will Guillory maybe gave away the secret when he asked the question, but Willie was trying not to say, but he's like, Brandon Ingram's now controlling the basketball a little bit more. One thing, Jim, that's killed this team, which is why they didn't get back-to-back wins until um, since February up until this week, was because of just careless turnovers. They lost that yeah. game in Houston on Friday because bad turnovers. The problem yeah. is I love CJ. Everyone likes CJ. He's not a ball hammer. He's right. better off the ball. And they tried so much earlier in the year, even some of last year, of him controlling and being that point guard. Look, certain situations – Late game, I need a good decision, yes. But him and B.I., they're not the point guards. That said, you've seen B.I. the last couple of games. Look at the assist totals, 10, 9, 6, 7, 8. Triple-double with that last night. So that's what Willie Green said. He's going to be the guy that's initiating the offense per se because what does it do? It attracts attention. So if he drives, which you've seen him do a lot more two games ago, Eight free throws in the first quarter. Yesterday, he went to the line again 10 times, 10 for 10. So he's making the effort of driving the lane. It collapses the defense. He'll kick it out. People cut, things of that nature. So you have now two adjustments they've made. Feeding the low post creates more space. Then you have a guy in Brandon Ingram that drives and can either hit that mid-range if they're guarding the lane. If not, he's taking it to the rim and going to the free throw line. Now you have the defense having to worry about two players in that paint area, which reminds you what it was like when Zion played. When Zion's on the court, everyone focuses on the paint first, and that's why you saw that offense move the ball around and get that flow. So they've made that adjustment. Now that said, that was the Hornets. That was the Spurs. That was the Rockets. Not very good defensive teams. Let's see what happens in this four-game stretch where you're playing Golden State, Portland, Sacramento on the, on road. the road. So let's yeah. right. So let you know. Let, let's see if these adjustments, when you know, they have better players, they're in the playoff picture, and more importantly, they're also, you know, just they're they're now seeing what you're doing. So if that continues to work, that'll be fantastic. But you have seen two adjustments them make uh, to help that offensive flow. Got a comment from Pennison Lloyd who says, with those injuries, nobody really, uh, I think he means expected the Pels to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Trade for Richardson looked good, but he hasn't done much. I don't know if I agree with that uh, or not. I'll let you answer that. If they, re- they up the rebounds, they could upset some teams. Gus, I don't yeah. know that they need to particularly upset teams because I know this road trip they're going to be underdogs, but, I mean, nobody's going to be shocked if they win two of these three games going on the road. I mean, I think they match up well with the Kings. Now, the Dubs are playing great right now, so that that would be an upset. But I think the Pelicans, when even without Zion, when they're playing their basketball, they're as tough to beat as anybody. 100%. Um, look, I think Josh Richardson's really brought another defensive-minded thing. He's, um, he's pretty good getting steals. He's had a couple of, what, three steal games and... 
that you, you see him occasionally be able to knock down those threes and stuff. Look, I mean, to the point where right out of the all-star break, again, whether you agree with it or not, he started over Trey Murphy right. for some time. So, um, look, I think it, it brings an element to to this team. And, again, I don't know if they expected to be without Zion for another month and a half after right. the NBA trade deadline. So, a, a lot of this has been built thinking that he's going to play. So, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the teams that they're playing, they actually match up well with them. And it's just literally a matter of can you limit the number of turnovers, convert in the fast break. And even Brandon Ingram said it after the game yesterday, his team's better if they can get in transition. But a lot of that transition, Jim, happens when you actually make shots. You know, yeah. I mean, it really is. I know John DeShazer says it all the time. It sounds simple and fans don't want to hear it, but it's true. On a night when you guys make shots, they're taking the ball out of the basket instead of getting rebounds off and going. It helps you transition defense. And when they don't make shots, it helps you transition offense. So it's actually a simple game. It's just getting that effort and energy to to match that. You know, I but I, I think they can get it done. I can't let you go without at least mentioning Zion and obviously the you know, the dreams of this team and going into the season. We're not, we're, we'll get into the Zion long-term in the offseason and talk about that. But as far as this season, and, it, you know, I still hear people being super negative. If, if, if this team can get themselves to get in a play-in and Zion comes back, which I think is very realistic, I've been saying for two months, I didn't think he would come back during the season. Don't expect him to come back. But if they were to make the play-in game, I do think he will come back. And if he can... Nobody's going to want to play this team in April and May with Zion Williamson. Right. If there's a positive of him not having played since early January, yeah. um, it's that. I mean, you would imagine that you have fresher legs, right? And, and I guess that's the one thing that I'm trying to explain on, on our show here as well is that what you're seeing in the next two weeks, look, Willie Green was asked about it, you know, if – the next update, could that update be he's available immediately ready to go to action? It wouldn't surprise me. I, I think what my hope would be on the road trip here is you see him getting some basketball activity in, getting to the three-on-three. Three. The second you get or hear that it's leaked, that he's doing three-on-three, three, that's a very good sign, right? Because essentially now you're just seeing if he can do basketball-related stuff. But you know, the fact he's running, the fact he's doing, he actually has a basketball in his hand that gets you an idea to do it. Um, to your point, at the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about with Brandon Ingram, Bill, that it took a bit for him to look like Brandon for Ingram sure. again. Yeah. He hasn't played since January. So he's not going to look like he did leading that fast break at Philly when he was on his way to 40 points when he, when he hurt the hammy. But to your point, if you can get him in a game or two before that play-in or round one of the playoffs, you essentially would have as healthy a team as you have had all season. No further injury. Jose could be back, right? If you get right. in that first round of the playoffs. Which would be huge, I really think. Massive. Just It helps your bench. You would have Zion, fresher legs than other people that have had to battle, like Kyrie, Luca, all these other guys, Steph. I mean, they're, they're battling every night to get into the postseason and stuff, and, you know, Zion isn't. So... And to your point, we've seen the number one team in the Western Conference, Zion took over and beat them single-handedly here in the Smoothie King Center. We've seen how they handle Phoenix. We've seen, I mean, when I look up and down that roster, the only team that I think we're not built just yet uh, 
to take a game, much less four. Memphis is just Memphis is a different team. Memphis can't wait to bully you. They want to let you know about it. They want to punch you. They want to intimidate you. Todd will tell you um, it is like one of the loudest arenas ever on purpose. Like the PA, it's all about disorientation. Like when I think about it, it's all on purpose. The second you walk out of that tunnel, it's so loud. You can't hear yourself think, or we don't hear them during breaks. Uh, So it's, it's all on purpose. And it's a whole attitude that they have there. And they're physical, they're athletic, they can win without Ja, and then you have this dude named Ja Morant. So th- that's a team that I think is, it's, would be a very tough matchup. But everybody else, uh, I think the Pels have an advantage on a lot of different areas because they can play you know, fast. They can play with pace. They can also play the half court, as we've seen in the last couple of games with the owners getting double-doubles. So it's just a matter of getting in man and you look know, even Labubu says it you know lebron just get in once yeah, you get in, get in you, you gotta know. beat me that's correct you gotta beat me and then I mean, if we get into a series you gotta beat me four times you know they showed that last year they gave the Suns all they could handle uh yeah, and so who 100%. knows knows what could happen i mean to me i i think not enough people are talking about denver and i think they're uh, gonna be the toughest out in the west but We'll see. Even Golden State. I mean, Golden State and Denver, to me, are the are the two best teams in the West. And, and to your point, you know, look, you, you think players don't matter. Denver's a different team with Jamal Murray. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, period. You know, he comes back this year. If they're not playing last year, they're in a number one seat. I mean, it just, it just uh, you got to have your guys. I don't know how else to look at it. 100% you know? agree. Uh, well, look, we're not going to get to the Saints today because Gus has somewhere to go. But before I let you run, I want you to just talk. I mean, it's one of the feel-good stories to me and that's not getting talked about enough, and it's partially my fault, too, because I don't talk about it enough. The LSU right. women and Kim, Kim Mulkey, Gus, yeah. uh, just, just a great story. Um, they're in a position now to where they're favored to beat Utah. They're favored to go to the Final Four. If No matter what happens if they get there, if they can just get to the Final Four, what a great uh, step for Kim Mulkey, and you knew it was going to happen, to take this mm-hmm. program. I think one of the things that I've noticed too, so this year was my first year. I haven't done Tulane women's basketball in yeah. about 13 years or something. So um, we've had every year a game, Tulane versus LSU. And to see the difference in that program to last year when it was Kim's first season, it's a massive difference. You know, it, you can see the difference in coaching. Now, look, they didn't have the players that had this year, right? But you could see. They played a little bit better coaching, and then she starts getting these players, the transfer. Now you're getting the number one player from the state, and you're starting to get number one player in the country. So you add someone that knows what they're doing, and then you sprinkle in again. It's only five players at a time on the court. Let's get back to what I was saying. Players matter. When you look at those two that really lead that team, um, it's tough because you got perimeter play, you got paint play. Yep. So it's almost a pick your poison thing. But I think what's really important is that Kim said, we're not there yet. Like that's that we're not a championship contending team just yet or program. Um, I like that because it's a, it, it's, it kind of keeps that chip on your attitude on your players. You know, your players hear that and see that it tells the fans, look, here's the expectation. We're getting there, but we're there. And it's true. I mean, she's been there. This is only her second year going into it. And you're seeing them progress. Because, look, South Carolina, I mean. Yeah, they're, they're know, the top I of the mean, mountain for sure, by far. Well, and the other thing, too, look, you saw Stanford get upset. 
no longer is UConn winning 99 straight games. And look, I go back to when Tulane joined the American and everyone was like, oh, great, here's Gino. And I remember those shows, screaming A around the horn, you know, is UConn good for women's basketball? And I, I remember even myself probably, you know, when Gino's like, no, we are. It's good. And I'm like, geez, you're right. And I'm like, no, he's right. Because you either have to get better or you're going to get killed. That's it's literally absolutely. that simple. And I remember talking to Lisa Stockton about that on a flight one time. The UConn, it takes forever to get to stores, by the way. <laughs> so, But you get there, and I remember my first time there. I mean, Jim, there's 10,000 people there, like legit. You know, they all have their lights on on their phones. I mean, it is – you're seeing banners, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it is legit. And and UConn men's has had a pretty good history there as well. You know, obviously still in the tournament. But right. Their women's program is absolutely legit, but you had to get better. And I remember seeing our girls, you know, play against them, and it translated later on in the season. And, and, you know, even if you're down five at the half or up one at the half, it it builds your confidence. You can, like, you can see what it takes because they play defense, they play offense, shot-making, all of that. It ups your game. You have to be better. And – since Tulane moved into that conference, played them, UConn's now moved out. I mean, what, it's seven, eight teams that can win the national title? We've seen exactly. Notre Dame win the national championship. South Carolina's made them. I mean, what Staley's been able to do, uh, it, it's, it's really incredible. So the blueprint. I mean, there, and you never saw it. Like, you can do it. You never saw eight seeds beating one seeds, at no. least not, never. not since not I was a kid. Basketball. No, no and that's what I'm saying. No. So it, it, it's crazy that that's happening now. I mean, you could. And that's not being it. disrespectful, but the play of the ladies has gotten better. I mean, in the time that I did it, you know, there was a team or two that had those players who were good. And now, I mean, look, with, with, with the advent of there's so many coaches and off-season programs and travel teams and just the fact that the girls are bigger to be honest with you. I yeah. mean, it, you know, you, you may have had a player too that was six foot, six one, right? I mean, right. like the center was six two, six three. I remember Tulane would have a couple of players that were six seven. I mean, not six seven, like six one, six two. And we're playing teams that are, you know, SMU had a pair of twins that were wow. six six, six seven, you know? I, like, I, you know now everybody about- has. You talk about Kim Mulkey. I mean, I covered uh, at Salmon High School Kalani Brown, who went on to to Baylor and then into the WNBA, and she was six six. And I mean, yeah. I, I, there's a picture I have that uh, you know because we had to do everything at one time. But um, you know, I'm, I took a picture of Kalani grabbing a rebound, and this girl basically her head was almost stuffed stuck under Kalani's armpit. And yeah. you know, but you're, you to your point. That's different than anything, you know, when we were growing up. And, you know, you look at Kim Mulkey, what is she, 5'9", 5'10"? You know, and so, I mean, you're right. I mean, the the girls now are 6'7", there's some Mm -hmm. 6'8 girls. And And that's what you've seen in the SEC. They're athletes, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, you look at Kayla Jordan, right? It was the number one oh, player absolutely. here in the state. And for John Curtis. I mean, all, all she did was come to Tulane, one conference freshman of the yeah. year, and then she's like, I need better talent. Went to, you know, Mississippi State, and, you know, they're in the tournament. So yeah. it, it matters, again, players, but you're seeing um, – you saw you saw it translate in the SEC in baseball, basketball, eventually now with football. 
I mean, conferences, if they invest, it's all about investing, right? If the facilities go there, they go out there and get the recruiting, they do all those things, uh, and it matters. You know, uh, one conference buses a lot, the other conference, they, they fly, you know, and it matters. Chartering planes. I mean, I saw it in my last two years at Tulane. They, they hooked up that deal with Breeze Airways. It matters to be able to just go to Atlantic Aviation, get on a flight, go play your game and come back. It may not be your private jet, but just having a partnership like that makes all the difference in the world than having it be a four or five hour travel day just to go to Dallas. Yeah. Because you, know, you got to get to the airport an hour and a half, two hours before that from school, wait, get on the plane, hope there's no delays, get to the airport, get on the bus, get to the hotel. When you can go from, you know, the Hertz facility on a hotard, get to Atlantic, you're in the air 35 minutes later land the bus is waiting for you you're at your hotel eating dinner it matters i mean so investing in it you know matters and it's gonna be interesting to see you know with tulane and some of the other programs in in around the area now you have kim how do they you know do they pay attention to women's basketball i know i'm old but all i can think about when you talk about hearts and going to the 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 bus is oj simpson running down the i mean I, I, again i'm old anyone right. under the age of 40 40 something doesn't even know what he hurdled that car pretty good was he it did? a bench or a car yeah exactly. I, I think it was a car he I, he, yeah. you know he, he could do these things now he's he he has tough times hurdling anything because he's <laughs> in a confined little place oh no wait he's out i don't know where these yeah. are i don't doesn't matter anyway all right before i let you go how's your bracket doing um i actually you still had... alive yeah, I am. I have Gonzaga and Alabama playing a okay. national championship game. So there you go, Joe does as well. But yeah, I have Gonzaga and Alabama in the national championship game. So I, dude, that the Gonzaga UCLA was game was that insane. That, that felt like a fight. I tell you what, covering the Final Four here last year, the, those two awesome. games were incredible. The national championship game was great. So it was. Th- th- there's something special about uh, the tournament and, and and just seeing that and. Man, it's it's pure hoops, man. It really honestly that, is. That shot from the logo last night to to, to with the score tied. I'm like, when he shot it, because I, I have Gonzaga in the final eight, so I'm yeah. like, I have UConn in that in that side of the bracket going to the final four. But I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, what yeah. a shot! All in the yeah, same exactly. the same moment. Amazing. All in the same onions. I keep thinking of Bill Raptor, right? Just onions. <laughs> yes, yes. Is this the year that I, before I let you go, Gus Kattengill? Is this the year that our Cubs? Are back and 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 legit, or or do we're we gonna still have to wait a little bit longer? So, what's the definition of back? Is it playoffs? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know what? They don't have to go to the playoffs. I don't think. Just give me something that I want to watch. Not a hundred losses. Uh, okay, so I'll say this: uh, we have Rafael Esparza, yeah, um, one of our Vegas guys, and and he think he he said the Cubs will be in the postseason this year. He actually thinks really? there's some really nice talent, and he likes the moves they made in the offseason. And you gotta love Dansby Swanson. He, he's flat out said he's like they will be in the postseason. So his job is to create odds and and, and make okay. money off of those odds. So if he's saying that, then I then that's better than you got no shot. He told me last year. That, that is definitely better game. than you got no shot. Like, when Vegas tells you they're losing a hundred games, you're pretty. It, yeah. They're going to lose a hundred games. So because Vegas always knows. I don't know how they know Jim. It's, it's amazing know. what they know. They always know. Long, and so, even before computers and they can figure things out and do these analytics and all, they all it's it's incredible. But they do yeah. know, and that's why uh, most of us lose our keisters when we get on our little phones <laughs> exactly. and do whatever we do. 
No uh, doubt. And it's been fun. Look, uh, I got to have you on a little more often. Hit me up, man. Yeah. When the Pels, because it's going to happen, when the Pels mm-hmm. get into that playing game, got to get you on. We're going we're gonna to talk more about it. And uh, we'll do I, know it, man. You, I know you got to run. And uh, But I appreciate your time, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. By the time we talk again, it'll be April. Or, you know, those OTAs will be around the corner, too. So I'll definitely can talk some Saints. I'll have more time next time, I promise. We'll take Gus when we can get him. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, been a friend of mine for a while. We spent, uh, <clears throat> we, he was a uh, sideline reporter for the Saints for a while, and we spent uh, one, uh, I was back when I was covering the Saints. I don't know. This must have been 2004. Um, Saints finished, whatever you can go back a little, if you really give a rat's patoot. Um, the Saints were finishing the season in Chicago. And um, we were both covering the Saints. Again, he was a sideline reporter. I was, I was uh, off and on covering the Saints at that, at that point in time in my career. Um, and so, anyway, we got there a day early or whatever. It was, I think they played either on New Year's Eve or the day before New Year's Eve or whatever it was. And uh, we had some time, and we, we took the L to Wrigley Field and, and got to see Wrigley Field, snow-covered Wrigley Field. It was pretty cool. Uh, so if you're a Cubs fan or even if you're a baseball, if you're a baseball fan, you, you, you have to appreciate Wrigley. Just like, you know, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I certainly appreciate Fenway. Um, you know, those sorts of things. But uh, anyway, Gus is always, always fun. We have known each other for a while. We have uh, certain things in common. And, uh, again, we we're serious about having him on the show again. If the Pels make the play in, he's going to be one of the first people I'll call. Uh, I need to have Christian Clark on the show, too, because – he does a great job for us at, at the Times Bikini Advocate, NOLA.com. He really does. And uh, I have not had him on the show yet. It just by this kind of a strange, weird coincidence. So we need to have him on the show. As I said with um, as I said with Gus, I've already talked to Todd Graffinini, who is the uh, the radio voice of the Pelicans. He is going to come on after the season is over. Uh, he's got so much going on, I don't blame him. I understand. He said you know, he said, look, I want to come on the show. I just can't right now. Want to, um, I'll do it as soon as the season's over. So, great. So, we'll have him on to probably wrap up a Pell season whenever that may be. That may be April the 15th. It may be May the 1st. It may be May. The, I mean, seriously. You couldn't say you'd be shocked if this Pelicans team makes a little bit of a run. I, again, what they have to overcome is... They cannot go over on this little mini road trip. I really think they got to go two and two. Um, I know I left one of the games off. If you were watching live, I think I left uh, the next game off the schedule. But you know, of course, you're going to have to be Portland. That's going to be a must. Um, and you got to go. I think you got to go two and two on this road trip. If you can do that, you put yourself in great shape to be able to finish the season with three or four wins uh, after that. Because you got to go five and four. Possibly six and three. Six and three almost definitely will do it. But uh, and then you got to watch and see how the Lakers finish as well, and all the other teams that are around you. I mean Dallas. Who knows? They've been banged up. Luca's back now, but who knows? Um, you just don't know. You don't know who's going to be in there. Who's in there. there's going to be one or two teams that are in there right now that you'll be surprised that drop out, um, and then there'll be one or two teams that aren't in right now that end up making it. That's how it is. This time of year with, with still, what, 
two weeks, uh, more than two weeks, two and a half weeks left to play, three weeks almost. So we'll be talking about more about basketball as we go forward, a lot of things. And, um, you know, as I was trying to think about my outro song today, you know, even before I pressed record, I kind of felt like I was going to have this weird kind of show where I was going to be all over the place. I didn't have a real, I mean, I don't care. I'll, I'll confess. I'll, I'll spill the beans on myself. I didn't have a great game plan going in today. So see, it works the same way in podcasts and shows as it does in sports. If you don't have a great game plan, you might not have the best show. But you know what? When the Saints suck, you still watch. I mean, you think about some of the games this year. There's a lot of games they sucked this year. Think about the, the Panthers game, that last game of the year. The Saints stunk to high hell. I think they scored in the opening drive and didn't score again. And what they lose, 10 to 7 or whatever the hell it was? I mean, not that they needed to win or whatever. I mean, probably better off that they lost in the grand scheme of things. Not that you ever lose on purpose, but I mean, that's kind of like what today's show was. But you watched that Saints game, unless you're one of the new dads. And you only watch the Saints when it matters or if they're going to go to the playoffs or whatever. But Anudat's not listening to that sh- this show anyway because they only give a rat's ass about the Saints when it's like preseason and they're getting excited because they're getting their season tickets. And if the Saints stink by week six, they'll be giving their tickets to their business partners or they're un- you know, they'll make their employees think like they're doing them a favor by giving them tickets when they just weren't going to go. You know those people. Yeah. We all know those people. You know the ones who they uh, go to the Saints playoff game on the road and put like 80 pictures of themselves on Facebook? Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Anyway, told you. But back to just me not having a game plan. So when I was thinking about the outro song for the day, I mean, I think I'm a little crazy today, don't you? A little crazy. I mean, I may be a little crazy all the time, but like especially today. And I thought it fit with what's going on at this time of year. March Madness, um, the NBA season, all the stuff. The sports world right now is baseball starting, golf getting towards the Masters. It's a crazy time of year, and I'm crazy. So this song fits. And I like Gnarls Barkley anyway. I'll probably be humming this tune the rest of the day. You will, too, now. I didn't want it to be stuck in my head. So, you know, if you're walking around later on today and you're walking around home and and your wife or your husband or your significant other says, why are you singing that song? Oh, my God. Jim Derry put it in his damn podcast. (sighs) Guess what? Crazy. All right. Well, that's it for this show. Can't wait till next week. Maybe I'll have a game plan. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But you'll be back because that's what you do every Friday in the offseason. Datitude, it's here. You're here. You're going to have a great week, by God, and you're going to enjoy the basketball tournament, and we're going to talk about all that and more next Friday. So enjoy the week with the ones you love. And until then, peace and love, my friends. Oh.